Welcome to the Lex Auto Lease Greener Futures podcast on clean air zones. Here, leading motoring journalist Quentin Wilson and a panel of industry experts examine what these zones mean for UK businesses and our environment. Welcome everybody to the Greener Futures uh, panel discussion. I thought it might be best to begin with the reasons why we're all here and, and, and what expertise we bring to this discussion. Thank you, Quentin. I'm Chris Chandler. I'm Principal Consultant at Lex Auto Lease. I've been involved in the automotive industry for over 20 years, and a lot of that focus has been on alternative fuels and sustainability. Hi, Carl Anders, National EV Manager at uh, Nissan Fleet. I've been there about three and a half years, and prior to that I spent seven and a half years with Energy Saving Trust, so I've been in the low emission vehicle space for about 11 years. I'm Jay Palmer, I'm Director of Policy at the BVLA, the British Vehicle Rental Leasing Association. We represent quite a diverse membership. My name's Keith Budden, I'm Head of Business Development at Senex, the Centre of Excellence for Low Carbon Vehicles, and we've been supporting industry and fleets to help introduced low emission vehicles for the last 12 years. And finally, uh, me, Quentin Wilson, I started up uh, Fair Fuel UK. I'm also an electric car pioneer and was one of the first journalists to actually buy an electric car with his own money. And since then I've had seven and done 50,000 odd miles in electric cars. Let's talk about the clean air zones, Chris. There's a lot of confusion about these. People think they apply exclusively to passenger cars and that all of them will be chargeable. That's not the case, is it? I think if you look at the shorter to mid-term view, we have urban air quality issues that have to be addressed. This is one of the tools within the toolbox that um, government can use and local authorities can use to address those urban air issues. I, I think one of the issues is that people don't fully appreciate what these zones actually are, which vehicles they're affecting. In London, there's the ultra-low emission zone which comes in in 2019. That will uh, apply to all cars and commercial vehicles and you'll need to have a Euro 6 diesel if you want to access London then. So those clean air zones around the rest of the country, they're going to affect businesses as well, aren't they? Yes, but um, the majority of, of the clean air zones that are on the table at the moment, and we'll know shortly what's actually been agreed and what will be taken forwards, but those that are on the table at the moment are mainly looking at Class B, which is HGVs, buses, coaches and taxis. So if you're driving or planning to buy a Euro 6 diesel, you're still going to be okay? Absolutely, both in London and in the clean air zones, yes. For the London zone, it's April 2019. For the clean air zones, uh, it's got to be implemented by the end of 2019. So effectively, they're looking at starting it 2020. 2020. Let's, let's talk about the benefits. I mean, do you think, Keith, that, that there is going to be a significant benefit for communities from these clean air zones? The main issue in terms of the clean air zones is, no, is NOx emissions. Right. What we're finding is that by moving towards cleaner vehicles, then that should bring down the NOx emission, and probably quite quickly. The challenge is that not all Euro 6 vehicles emit the same level of NOx, so there's a move to better standards. So we do need to think about how we better understand emissions as they're happening locally and getting them better ways of measuring and monitoring that data, and having zones that move, because NOx isn't the same all the time. Climatic conditions have a big impact. If there is a NOx problem on certain days of the year, that they can, we can be maybe more restrictive those days and maybe get people to travel on different routes, speed vehicles up, change traffic light regulations. That's important as well because it's about traffic management too, Absolutely, isn't it? yeah. It's very easy to blame passenger car 
drivers for all this when that's not the case. And just let me play devil's advocate here for a moment. What about um, central heating, uh, wood burning, sort of all those industrial and, and domestic combustion issues as well that also have knocks? The knocks impact from non-vehicles is there, but it's nowhere near as significant. And also it's where it's released. So roadside, you're talking Roadside, yep. so and just simple movements by actually not walking alongside the curb moving on the inside of the pavement can have significant health benefits, taking a back road rather than a main road. So for the individual, by, by changing simple behaviours of where you walk and where you push your buggy, can have significant health benefits. And I think we'll see a lot of work coming out from government shortly about how we tackle other pollutants and particularly particulates. We maybe need to think about actually not having HGVs driving into city centres, but having consolidation centres and using small electric vans to do those last mile deliveries, thinking more creatively about how we operate in cities and how we live in cities. And I think that's our hope, that really the clean air zones, as long as they're implemented in a sensible manner and in a way that isn't looking to just stop access or put restrictions in place that stop people wanting to go to those cities, as long as they work in a way that still allows access but has the right type of vehicles operating in those right areas, I think it could work but I think it's also something that can't happen overnight. It's got to be an understood that there's, a, there's going to be a transition period. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really good point because I think people have bought diesels in good faith. The government have told us that's the right fuel to go. It was, they have the best in class on CO2, the low emission um, strategy that the government wanted to develop. So I think it's important not just for individuals, but businesses have bought these cars in good faith. So if we're now encouraging the part of that transition to move people out, then I think we need to have a very clear roadmap of how do we get from, from where we are to where we need to get. And business need time to plan and change. And I think what's missing in this process is exactly what that roadmap looks like. Uh, we've heard the government say very clearly, you know, um, by 2040, they want to see the end of petrol and diesel vehicles being sold for cars and vans by 2040. But they haven't yet clearly spelt out exactly what the strategy is, how we're going to get there. And I think the transition is absolutely important. The post-diesel gate issue has just demonised diesel. Diesels still are the most fuel-efficient, cost-efficient vehicles to be used, particularly on motorway journeys. Look at your actual business needs, where you're travelling from and to, and select the right products. Because today, I think we're, we're actually fortunate to have such a wide range of different technologies. But it's about the balance. It's making sure it's sustainable for both businesses to operate freely, make sure cities aren't seeing tumbleweeds rolling around because cities need to thrive and the economic mm -hmm. impact of that is important. But, but equally, people need to go into cities to work. They live there. What about this, this, this issue where we've devolved this to local councils to roll out their own clean air strategies for, yeah. for these towns? How can we be sure that there will be a consistency of message there, a consistency of charging, yeah. and a consistency of information to businesses and consumers? We've been lobbying and campaigning on this very point to government, saying, actually, we need a national framework. We can't have one city, Birmingham, doing its own thing, and, and you know, simply, if you're driving to Nottingham and Derby, they're doing completely opposite. So we've talked about it being Euro 6 as a standard for diesel cars and vans. But it's important that the signage is clear, people understand the hours of operation, how it's going to be enforced, the exemptions that are going to be allowed. I think we need consistency. I was involved in the CO2-based company car tax back in 1999, and we looked at, should it be NOx, should it be, at the time, SOx, because sulphur was still in diesel, etc. So we looked at all the different pollutants, we looked at vehicle sizes, we looked at all sorts of things, you know, the vehicle footprint like they have in, in, in some parts of Asia. And the issue that we knew then with NOx was, 
your NOx emissions vary on the load of the engine, on the ambient air mm -hmm. temperature. So we've known about these variabilities. That, that, that's why we didn't use it. Yeah. And we knew um, about it in that budget of 2000 when yes. the, 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 the duty on low sulfur diesel was reduced, which made well, a switch from, what was it, 20% diesel to 50% diesel. Yeah. Hmm. And it's quite clear that there will be a, a cost to local air quality. Mm -hmm. And here we are down the line and we've got a, a, what they call yeah. a health emergency. So if you look at some of the cities that we're talking about, you've got somewhere like Nottingham being compared to somewhere like Southampton. Southampton, big container port. It's got a big cruise ship. Um, terminal as well, so its emissions are coming from a number of Marine different Pen. areas. Yep, absolutely. So, and there's an airport. Uh, so, you do have to have slightly different solutions for different cities, but there does need to be this overarching piece from central government, so that if you're a fleet operator and you're operating cars throughout the whole of the UK, you can advise your your drivers. I think incentives is a really really good idea if you look at the Nor Norwegian, Norwegian model. Which is, what is it, 34% yeah. penetration yeah, of EVs over there, Carl? I yeah. mean, massive. And they have free use of bus lanes, free electricity, mm. no purchase tax on, on the car, yeah. um, unbelievable raft of incentives. And I think we could still do more. There's one thing about it being led by government, but we also have to think about what we're doing as well. So if you think about fleets, particularly cars which are on fleet for three to four years, and you're talking vans, five to seven years, public sector can sometimes be a lot longer than that. You're now starting to talk about a different scenario. What we can see is we're getting all these different changes that are happening, but we as fleet operators need to, to move ahead of the game. So you're right, clarity is needed, consistency is needed, I get that, but we need to be ahead of that because some of the vehicles that are being bought now are going to be operating in the world of 2025. So we need to try and get ahead of the curve and try to understand and change as much as the fleets to be vehicles that, that are going to have no problems at this time. Mm. I think we need to move now. I yeah. think that's the point, no, not I, wait for two years. I, I don't disagree with you at all. And, and it's a perfect example. We've got local authorities telling us to get into um, cleaner vehicles, yet the tax system is punishing people. For example, if you take the company car tax, you've got this great 2% incentive, but it's not happening today. It's going to happen in 2020. And I think it's a simple move the government could do is to bring that forward and do it now. Absolutely. That would help to accelerate. And I think there's plenty of missed opportunities by government. It's a bit of an own goal from our perspective. And I think that's why we're pushing very hard on government, saying, actually, we can make a difference now. This sector is already yeah. buying over half the cars being sold in the UK. We can make a difference very rapidly, very efficiently, and very effectively. As, as a leasing company, we now have product that we can actually put in front of customers and say this is zero emission or this is zero emission capable. We've now been doing electric vehicles for um, over seven years now, and you know the reliability and everything have proven themselves. So now the only argument we're really making when we go to customers is, is it the right vehicle for the drive cycle? Mm -hmm. And then informing them about elements such as charging points at home, charging points at the workplace, operating in an area that's well served by a, a public charging infrastructure. And the thing that it often comes down to is this uncertainty of, well, if I get one now, or should I wait? Over the past five to eight years, I think we've knocked down a lot of the barriers about does plug-in technology work? You, you know, will it be reliable? Will we need to replace the batteries after a certain period? All those things we've kind of proven now. So let's just sum up about the, the, the clean air zones then before we, we, we move on. They don't apply at the moment to passenger cars apart from London. Your Euro 6 diesel will be allowed in. You will not be banned from cities. 
And if you have an EV and you have a light duty cycle within an urban environment, then it works really, really well to have an electric vehicle in a city and you will be immune from most charges, if any charges, in, in, in the short to medium term, won't you? I just clarify, that's just for cars. I think fans, I think, you know, the bit that we are still not clear. No. Fans are held on longer, as Carl's touched on, yeah. and they, they will be likely to be some. Still fleets will have Euro 5. If you've got high penetration assisted cities, then it may be worthwhile looking at actually recycling some of those fleets into Euro 6 so they become compliant vehicles. Join our Greener Futures expert panel again to hear about the future of fleet management from Worldwide Harmonised Light Vehicle Testing Procedure, or WLTP for short, to electric vehicle technologies. Alternatively, visit www.lexautolease.co.uk forward slash driving intelligence. Mm -hmm.